Ciao. You're listening to EdUp Insights, where you'll get my take on higher education. I'm Bill Pepicello, former president of the University of Phoenix and higher ed vagabond. So let's get started. Well, today I want to start talking about the new university and what it will look like. Now, a lot of institutions will tell us that they are working on the new university and they will become the new university. And uh, some will tell you that they already are the university of the future. For instance, Arizona State, uh, which is progressive, no doubt, but I'm not sure it's exactly what the uh, university of the future will look like. The most important thing from my perspective, and after all, my perspective is what this podcast is all about, is that the new university must have a form that follows its function. By that, I mean it has to be organized by what it does. The function of higher education today is pragmatic. It's commodity-driven and it's diverse. It's highly technical and skills-based. And the not-for-profit model of the 20th century is probably not sustainable to support that function. Why? Because that model is an elitist agrarian model um, that was designed for a, an earlier time in our history. But now it's trying to serve a knowledge-based, complex, technically sophisticated society that requires broad access and democratization in society. And I would claim that we don't have a, a model in many respects that fits that description. So I wanna talk about four basic elements that I see as essential in the new model, the university of the future. Funding, physical plant, human resources, and technology. And I might not get to all of those today, but we'll get to them in the next couple of episodes. But let's start with funding. Now, in, in short, the, the business model of higher education today is, uh, as I have uh, opined in an earlier podcast, not really sustainable. So what we need to, to ask ourselves is going forward, where are where is funding going to come from? Now, likely sources are going to be alumni, local communities, private business investors, or business organizations. Sort of sounds like a, a business operation, doesn't it? Well, it is. And we have to organize higher education's business model in the truest and most simple sense of business. Because securing investment will not simply be a matter of requesting funding from the federal government and states and burdening students with the rest of it. Institutions will have to be able to show a return on investment to their investors, both in money and in jobs. An institution will have to show growth, not just in student numbers. Uh, they'll also need to identify new opportunities in, uh, in society, in communities. 
through partnerships and mergers and disciplinary expansion as society continues to become more complex. In other words, funding is gonna to have to become innovative. Institutional then have to balance that current model with the innovation model for a reinvestment strategy to ensure sustainability. So again, we're looking at key business elements here. We're looking for investment, reinvestment, and sustainability. Now, in order to do all this, institutions will have to um, establish market differentiation and value propositions for investors, including students who are investors and the workplace. Importantly, it's gonna be necessary to reorganize institutions in order to accomplish these things and business as usual is going to be somewhat turned on its head. Second of all, I think we need to look at the physical plant aspect of higher education. Now in this case, the future model of higher education uh, and facilities will no doubt look very different. The traditional model is grounded in brick and mortar, basically, and it assumes that education is somehow separate from mainstream society and the real world. Students must leave the real world. They go to a campus and professors and physical libraries are there because that's the repository of knowledge and knowledge is transferred from professors into the empty vessels known as students in a classroom environment. That model does not really include a technological base like that that the rest of society is familiar with. For example, let, let's take a, let me give you an example from a broader society in the relationship of brick and mortar uh, to technology. Uh, I'm gonna take the example of banking. Now I haven't visited my local bank in months. Um, I know where it is and I know what it looks like. And it's populated with pleasant, well-groomed young people um, who are generally very helpful. But for the most part, I don't need to interact with them. I can complete most of my banking transactions online. However, on the occasions that I do wish to speak with a real person, I expect the pleasant, well-groomed folks to be available. I want them to provide adequate service and the organizational banking systems must be accessible, user-friendly and results-oriented. The same thing must become true for higher education. The, the new model must be a single system incorporating high-touch and high-tech. It shouldn't be organized around physical plants or purely technological infrastructure. It should be a system of people when we want them and technology when we don't and vice versa. So in the new model, investments in facilities have to be tempered to make the larger system more cost-effective. Now a study con uh, conducted at a, an American public institution shed some light here you know, several years ago this institution, which shall go unnamed, um, implemented a new online unit in order to increase student capacity and thus enhance revenue. And we can debate whether that's a 
good rationale. Now, when revenue projections were not being met, the new online system was quickly analyzed and they discovered that more than 50% of students enrolled in the online classes were taking those classes from their dorm rooms on campus. Whoops. This was distressing for two reasons. Uh, at first, the online program was not generating the intended increased revenue since the same number of students was still taking the same number of courses, just in different formats. And second, the on-campus students taking virtual classes from their dorm rooms um, meant that classroom facility usage was down and maintenance class for those facilities remained constant. This resulted in additional financial inefficiencies. The lesson here is that in the future, the model has to be uh, much more, has to have much more opportunity to redirect funds, to build or refit current facilities into technologically flexible assets. Now, a corollary here is that higher education must prepare itself for what I will call the big box business model. Small boutique institutions may not by and large survive. Already they're looking at mergers or sometimes simply closing their doors. We addressed this when we talked about uh, online program management corporations that were helping some of these institutions. Now, University of Phoenix, where I was for a number of years, was successful in part because it was a blended big box model. As for facilities, what we did was we built them and then sold them and then rented them back. This meant that we had flexibility to go in and out of those facilities as necessary. The business model for the future also has to plan for what I will call a one-stop shopping experience, both physically and virtually for higher education if it is going to survive. Okay, I'm exhausted and you're probably tired of listening to me at the moment. So we'll get on to human resources and technology in another podcast. But for the moment, I'm going to wrap this up and invite you to stay tuned for the next exciting episode. Ciao.